got another community outreach. fact is, it starts today. Uh, it's our Thanksgiving box giveaway. This is our third annual time to do that. We give uh, Thanksgiving meals to uh, people, whether they're within our church or within the community or are people that are recommended to us that would not be able to have a Thanksgiving meal if it wasn't for Fellowship of the Rockies. And so, so this is your part. Uh, in the Welcome Center, there are, there are boxes and uh, a shopping list. And so all that you need to do is immediately follow in this service, go to the Welcome Center, uh, pick up a box and a, a shopping list. And then within the next two weeks, you can either bring it back, uh, purchase items, fill up the box, bring it back at one of our services next week or the following week. And then we'll, we'll put it together and we'll deliver them. And so our goal is, is 200 people this year. Uh, uh, Andrew food, Andrew's Food Services has donated over 200, or they actually donated 200 turkeys. And so the turkeys will be, de- be delivered here on, on Sunday. We'll put those with our boxes that you bring back. And then you can even sign up. If you would like to do this as a family or individually, uh, you can sign up to pick up a box and then deliver it to a family in need. And so what a wonderful thing for, for you to be involved in that and to actually get to hand a box to someone that would not be able to have Thanksgiving if it wasn't for us. And so this is a wonderful outreach that we do every year into the community. Uh, we could not do it without you. And so if you would... Uh, if you would take part in that, that would be great. Well, this morning we're in Genesis chapter, 30, uh, chapter 40. We're going through this series called Seriously, and we're looking at some subjects of, of, that goes through Joseph's life that many times we can relate to, I know I can relate to, is this issue of times in life to where we just go, seriously? I mean, seriously, I had to deal with an imperfect family. Seriously, I got to deal with adversity. Seriously, last week we looked at, I got to deal with sexual temptation. And then this week we're going to look at this, this subject of seriously... I, I got to deal with discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever gone through a time to, to where you've just been discouraged and, and uh, maybe, maybe it was, was in a marriage? Maybe you were discouraged in a marriage. Maybe you were discouraged in a relationship. Maybe you were discouraged in a career or profession. Maybe you were discouraged with some relationships around you. But have you ever gone through a period like I have to where you've just gone through an intense period of discouragement and and the danger is this, is that when we go through discouragement, we can have this loss of enthusiasm for then our responsibility. And, and we can get discouraged in the present, and, but we can get discouraged about the future and we can lose our hope. And, and boy, it affects our self-esteem and everything about us. And the, the danger is, is we've, we're vulnerable. Man, to turn our backs on God, turn our backs on the commitments that we have made. To where we get to the point to where we just say, you know what, I'm so discouraged, I just feel like quitting. I just feel like giving up. It's not even worth it anymore. It's not worth it in the marriage. It's not worth it in the relationship. It's not worth it at the, at the office. It's not worth it in these relationships that are around me. And the danger is this, is that we can get so discouraged that we turn our backs on God. We turn our backs on people around us. We turn our backs on the commitments that we have made. And so this morning, we're going to look at four principles that that apply directly into our life about how do you overcome discouragement, because that's the big thing. We all know that we've been discouraged, and we all know that in the future, we're going to have to go through discouragement again. It's just life. It's a part of life. But the big question this morning is, how do you overcome discouragement in your life? And Joseph gives us some great principles, if you will, of how to overcome that. The first thing is this. There's four things you've got to love. The first thing is this, is that you've got to come to the point and you just love faithfulness. 
I mean, to where you're going to be faithful no matter what, to the very best of your ability, when you get discouraged, when I get discouraged, to the very best of our ability. Man, we're just going to stay faithful to God and stay faithful to what he's called us to do. And, and Joseph was discouraged, and he wasn't happy about the circumstances. He probably had great difficulty trying to figure out how all of this was in God's plan. And yet we see in Joseph's life that he, to the very best of his ability, he stayed faithful. He stayed productive. So many times in, in, in discouragement, there's this huge temptation just to pull back or, or call, it, call it good or, or bail out or show up late at the office or do just enough to get by. There's this temptation to do that, but not with Joseph. Joseph stayed faithful regardless of the situation that he did. You see, you and I cannot control the feelings that we have. Feelings are not sin. You and I cannot control the feelings, the emotions that we have, but what we can control is our behavior. And see, Joseph understood this. And Joseph could have said, you know what? I've had it up to here. You ever done that in life? You just said, you know what? I've had it up to here. I've had it up to here with my family. I've had it up to here with a wife. I've had it up to here with my husband. I've had it up to here with a profession, a career, a community, a situation. And, and we have this temptation to say, you know what? I've just had it. And Joseph could have done that. He says, I've had it up to here with Egypt. Man, I've had it up to here with my family. I have, I've had it up to here with my dysfunctional family and the things. I've had it up to here with, with people. For It was people that always hurt him. I've had it up to here with God. I've had it up to here with with ministry. But Joseph stayed faithful through difficult circumstances in his life. And you look at Joseph's life, and man, the first 30 years of his life, man, was difficult, and it was hurtful, and it was painful. I mean, he was hated by his brothers because he was a dad's favorite. I mean, Scripture says that his brothers could not say a peaceful word about him. They were always talking about him. They were always trashing him. And then... They had the ability to consider murder. They decided to kill him. I mean, he had a group of brothers that actually wanted to kill him. And, well, he threw him in a pit, and it was one of his brothers, Reuben, that stood up and took up for him. And we all need a Reuben in our life. And, and so now his brothers decided, you know what, we'll just sell him into Egypt as, as a slave. And so Joseph went from a pampered son, favorite son, to a slave. I mean, from everything that went his way, he got everything that he ever wanted. But when all of a sudden he's, he's a slave, and man, when you read the text, you know, Joseph didn't deserve that. He was only 17 years old when all of this took place. And so once in Egypt, surely he was discouraged, but he continued to work hard and he continued to stay faithful because... I guess he decided that, you know what, if, if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave that I can be. And so he became Potiphar's favorite. And it's unheard of in their culture, in their time. And so Potiphar pr- promotes him to like his assistant. And the scripture says that Potiphar gave no thought to anything but the food that he ate. I mean, he promoted Joseph to like his assistant. And all of a sudden, it looked like his life was improving. It looked like he was going out of a season of great hurt and pain and discouragement into great 
blessing. And then unfortunately, we looked at last week, he became Potiphar's wife's favorite, right? And she liked him. And, and so the scripture says she was relentless. And she made her intentions known to him. And then when she began to take off his coat and tried to seduce him is what scripture says Joseph did the right thing I mean he did the right thing he ran out he he lost his second coat and see both coats are important for us to understand the first coat represented his self image his self identity that's where when he lost his first coat that's it, it, his identity and self image was wrapped up that was who he was and he needed to lose that coat if God was ever going to use him because his identity could not be wrapped up in a coat, a profession, people, a career, hobbies, if God was going to use him. Same with us. His second coat. You see, what happened when Joseph refused to, uh, her advances? He lost his reputation. I mean, he did the right thing. And now she completely turned it. And basically, she accused him of attempted rape. Joseph lost his reputation. His second coat that had to go for Joseph to do what God had called him to do. To you realize that your character, your reputation is more important what God thinks of you than the criticism and the lies and the things that people make up about you. So she accuses him of all this. And so Potiphar now hurts him. Potiphar's wife hurts him. And they throw him in a, a, a prison and see, their prisons were totally different th than ours today. I mean, no cable TV, <laughs> no cable TV, no three meals, uh, uh, no exercise and, you know, swimming pools and jogging tracks and all of that other stuff. None of that for these guys. No, prison was totally different. In fact, his people died in prison. I mean, really, you, in prison in their culture, in their time, was basically this, a hole in the ground. They took a cistern and they took a deep hole and they would just dump guys down there. And In fact, is there was no facilities. I mean, can, you could not get lower and darker. No windows, no doors, no facilities. You couldn't get any lower. And Joseph did the right thing. I mean, can you imagine what was going through Joseph's mind? I mean, you would kind of expect Joseph to be bitter towards God. I mean, to where we, he'd have some of those conversations as, God, is, is this how you're going to play? Is this how you're going to treat me? I mean, I've been, remember, I've been faithful. Remember, I did the right thing. Remember, I said no. Remember, I resisted the temptation. God, is this, is this how you're going to play? Is this how you're going to, is this how you're going to treat me? God, remember the dreams that I had? Remember the dreams where you said one day everyone was going to bow down to me? Probably the most hurtful accusation that sometimes we have with God when we go through these times. God, did you forget about me? Do you not even care about me anymore? I'm in this hole, I'm in this prison, I'm in darkness. I did what was right. I mean, you would expect someone like Joseph that goes through hurt and pain to withdraw from people. After all, it was people who had always hurt Joseph. I mean, people had hurt him all of his life. His dad had hurt him. His brothers had hurt him. 
Potiphar's wife had hurt him. Uh, Potiphar had hurt him. And now he's about ready to be hurt again by some people. See, in our culture, in our society, we have that saying that says, hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. That's not even close to biblical. That's not even a biblical statement. See, that's what happens when people get hurt by people. They become cynical. And and they build this shell or this bubble around them. And they say things like, you know what? No one will ever be able to hurt me like you have hurt me. I will never make myself vulnerable to anybody. Hurt me once, shame on me. Hurt me twice, shame on you. And you would expect Joseph to be one of those guys, after all, it was always people who hurt him, to build this shell around him, but not Joseph. Maybe you would expect for Joseph to have a sour disposition in life, not Joseph. Maybe you would expect if we visited Joseph in that hole and in that prison, that he'd just be angry and just be depressed. But Joseph remained faithful. Watch this, Genesis chapter 40, verse 1. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his, his baker committed offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with, with the two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in, in, in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them, and they continued for some time in custody. All through Joseph's life, he remained faithful to God. I mean, we read that when he was Potiphar's slave, the Lord was with him. And God blessed him. In fact, is Potiphar could see that God's hand was on him, and that's why he made him his assistant. In Genesis chapter 39, we read that when Joseph was thrown into prison, into the pit, the Lord was with him. Again, God was still with him. And 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 he gave grace with the warden, and the warden put, can you believe this? He's thrown into prison, and the warden puts Joseph in charge of the, of the prisoners. In fact, as the scripture says, the warden paid no attention to the prisoners because Joseph was in charge. Why? Joseph loved faithfulness. Joseph remained faithful in the midst of difficult circumstances. fact is, Joseph was a model prisoner. Joseph was a model slave. Because Joseph loved faithfulness. Regardless of where God put him, regardless of how deeply discouraged and hurt he was, Joseph was successful because he took responsibility for his life. You you will never truly be successful in the Christian life until you quit blaming. You need to quit blaming your past, a mom, a dad, brothers, sisters, ex-husband, ex-wife, past relationships. Joseph remained faithful. He loved faithfulness. The second thing, if you're going to overcome discouragement, is this, is that you've got to love people. you not only got to love faithfulness, but the next thing is, 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 is you truly got to love people. Watch this, verse 4. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed the cup, they both dreamed the cupbearer and the baker of, of 
of the king of Egypt. Now, the, the cupbearer and the baker, just so you understand who the players are, they're kind of like the, the secret service of our day. I mean, it was their responsibility to protect, the, uh, to protect Potiphar. I mean, in their day, when people would assassinate a king, when people would assassinate a leader, they always did it by poisoning the wine or poisoning the food. And so the baker, um, he was in charge of the food, and so it was a high, high, high integrity position. And so he was in charge of the food. The, the, the cupbearer was in charge of the wine. And so they made sure that the, 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 the food or the wine wasn't, wasn't poisoned. Now listen, we don't know what they did. We don't know why Potiphar threw them in prison. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that the, the chief baker, uh, he, tried to put the, he tried to put Potiphar on a, on a health food diet. No more fried foods for you. You know, no more bacon, no more, you know, rice cakes for you. And so he says, that's enough. You know, you're away. But we don't, we don't, that's just my idea. But we don't know why. So we'll read on. Uh, who were confirmed in, uh, confined in prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. Now listen, in the Old Testament, and even in the New, uh, God would give people dreams. Now, these were very, very vivid dreams. They knew the dreams were from God. And so I say that to say this. Don't try to interpret every crazy dream that you had after pizza or green chili or anything like that in their time. They knew these dreams were from God, and they were, they were very vivid. Verse 6, when Joseph came to them in the morning, now this is so interesting, watch it. He saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers uh, who were with him in custody in his master's house, man, why are your... Why are your faces so downcast today? That's impressive. Joseph is 28 years old, unfairly imprisoned. People have always hurt him his whole life. If anyone could be down, if anyone should be sad, it should be Joseph. But Joseph notices. Why are you troubled? Why are you sad? See, Joseph continued to love people. See, Joseph just didn't see his hurt. Joseph just didn't see his pain. He was able to see the hurt and the pain of the people around him. Many of us, when we hurt, we only see our hurt. We only see our pain. When we hurt and when we have pain, we look at other people and say, you know what, your hurt and your pain doesn't even compare to mine. A lot of people, when they go through difficulty, they don't care about anybody else's hurt. They don't care about anybody else's pain. Listen, let me ask you. Are you a little discouraged today? Are you going through discouragement? Uh, do, you, do you want to get better or do you just want to live in self-pity the rest of your, your life in bitterness? The way that you get better is what Scripture says. Man, find someone to minister to. Find someone to help. 
See, this is what's going on in, in Joseph's life. Even in the midst of discouragement, he loves people. And he's staying faithful. And he's finding someone to minister to. I mean, I'm telling you, Friday night, 135, 140 ministry partners. We had cars everywhere. We did snow cones. We did uh, 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 cotton candy, uh, which, which I learned that, you know, it was only one cotton candy uh, per person uh, because we were running low. And I confess um, that if you have one, more than one cotton candy, make sure it's the same color then nobody knows. <laughs> That's how I got caught. <laughs> and I'm telling you, the 130, the 145 people that helped us, I promise you, they were having more fun than the kids. I mean, we, had, we had 700 people. It was nuts. It was crazy. And you know what? A lot of the ministry partners that helped us, man, I know what's going on in their life. I know some of them are hurting, and some of them have discouragement, and some of them... God needs to do some things in their life and some of the happiest people I saw. Did you know non-Christian counselors, when people are depressed and when people are discouraged, one of the things that they tell them, if you want to get better, volunteer somewhere. Whether it's in a food pantry, whether it's at a soup kitchen, find an area of life to volunteer, to give back. To realize that you can, that people are, there are some people worse off than you. To realize that you can still be used. And that's what scripture would say. And so Joseph was this type of person, verse 8. So they said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. This is so mature in Joseph's life. Please tell them to me. Now, now Joseph is still faithful to God. Now, this really bothered me because when Joseph was young, he was the one that got the dreams. Now then, someone else is getting the dream. And I, I wonder, did he not steward the gift well? Was he not faithful with the gift that God had given him and God had taken that gift away from him? Can you imagine how hard it was for Joseph was once the one that was getting the dreams and now he's being asked to interpret the dream for someone else and see, here, here's what I learned. Joseph had the gift of interpreting dreams. He didn't lose it. He stewarded it well. But God is now asking him to interpret someone else's dreams because Joseph understood. He stayed faithful to God. He loved people. He says... Don't dreams belong to don't dreams belong to God? So so Joseph loved faithfulness, Joseph loved people. The third thing is this, and Joseph loved the truth. And Joseph loved the truth. Watch this, verse nine. So the chief uh, cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and, and and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches, and as soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters uh, ripened into grapes, and Pharaoh's cup was, was in my hand, and, and I, I took the grapes, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed them in the cup of Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly you were, it, were his cup bearer. Notice... Joseph didn't lose the gift and he still had the ability and, and stirred the gift and 
God, so many times in church and so many times in ministry, there are people that know they have a gift from God and they were once active in church and active in sharing in ministry, but boy, the time came when someone hurt them or a church hurt them. And they said, I'll I'll never serve like that again. I'll never get involved like that again. And they just quit serving, but, but not Joseph. Joseph walked with God, and he, he loved people, and he loved the truth, and he, he loved faithfulness. You know, in 1999, uh, I came here in 95 with a church planning team to plant this church, and then 1999, Kurt Dodd left and went to a mega church, a really large church in, in uh, Merritt Island. And, uh, man, I'm just telling you, the first few years was really difficult in that transition. It was really difficult here. And I turned in my resignation to God every morning for about three to four years. I said, I'm done. It just hurts too bad. It's just too difficult. And now when I look back of 15 years here, can you imagine the blessings I would have missed if I'd cashed it in? If I'd quit? For those of you that have just kind of pulled away because someone hurt you, because a church hurt you, it's your responsibility to steward the gift well that God has given you. And there is blessing in that. Can you imagine with Joseph? Now, he loved the truth. And can you imagine with Joseph how hard it was? He wants to get out. He's interpreting a dream for a guy that's about ready to get out. I mean, that would be almost like you and a friend praying for a job. And God confirmed to you that your friend is going to get blessed with a job that you've always wanted. I mean, this is difficult that he's dealing with because Joseph wanted more than anything in the world just 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 to get out. See, Joseph told the truth about how he felt. I mean, he was honest and not hurtful. Watch this, verse 14. Only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. Help me to get out of here. And so to get me out of this house, get me out of this situation, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I've done nothing that they should have put me into this pit. Now, I know a lot of pious Christians that when they're in a difficult situation, when they're in discouragement, they say things like, well, I'm just where God wants me. And I'll stay here as long as God wants me to be here. And you kind of sing Kumbaya and have all those feelings. Not Joseph. Joseph loved the truth. Joseph's like, I don't want to be here. I don't deserve to be here. Now, here's the unique thing. Because Joseph loved people, he didn't hurt people. He didn't criticize people. I mean, he said, I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. He didn't trash his dad. He didn't talk about his brothers. He didn't make fun of and talk about the people that he was in the pit with and in prison with. 
He just simply said, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be discouraged and I don't want to be in this situation. Joseph said, look, I'm perfectly, perfectly not happy here. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, this is important, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. So this is the guilty guy. Remember, they're both thrown in prison. We don't know why. And so now this guy has some encouragement, says, hey, if it's going to turn out for well for him, hopefully it'll turn out well for me. I also had a dream, and there were three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there, was also, there were all sorts of baked food for, the, for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the baskets on my head. Now, Joseph instantly knew what this meant. It was not going to end well for him. In three days, he was going to be put to death. But Joseph loved the truth. What would you have told him? Here's what I think I may have told him. That's a really hard dream. I'm going to pray and fast for three days on the fourth day. (laughs) I'll tell you what it means, not Joseph. Why? Joseph loved the truth. Joseph was honest. It's important that we tell the truth no matter how hard it is. But And the overriding principle is if you love people, then you speak the truth in love and you don't hurt people. But Joseph, Joseph loved the truth. He was truth about his emotions. He was truth, truthful about his situation and he was truthful. He stewarded the gift that God had given him, the interpretation of dreams. Well, the fourth and the last thing is this, is if you're going to overcome discouragement, the last thing, and this is really the foundational principle, is this. Uh, You've got to love God. You know, I love faithfulness. You need to love people. You need to love the truth. But you need to love God. Uh, verse 29, or verse 20. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer... Talk about another hurt did not remember Joseph. I mean, he forgot him. Yeah, God encouraged Joseph, and I don't know if God has ever done this for you, but when you've been in that pit, when you've been in that dark place, when you've been in discouragement, Joseph, or God encouraged Joseph by allowing him to interpret a dream to let him know I am still with you. To let him know I haven't forgotten you. To let him know that I still love you. But the chief cupbearer forgot to mention him to Pharaoh. The fact is, it says he forgot him. It, it's, it's amazing to me in life how long we can remember an offense of another person. Yet we so quickly forget the favor, the kindness of another person. 
We can think of a spouse. We can think of a friend. We can think of a boss. We can think of, of a relationship around us. We can list every offense, every hurt that they have ever done to us. And we forget the good that they did. We forget the favor. You will never come to a place of healing in your life when all you can remember is the fence. All you can remember is everything that they did wrong and everything that they should have done differently. Healing comes when it's balanced. I mean, the cupbearer was like it never happened. In fact, is Genesis 41 lets us know Joseph was in that pit. Joseph was in prison for two more years. That'd be enough to break most people. Keep in mind that Joseph does not know how the story ends. There is no Gideon Bible in their prisons. I mean, Joseph cannot turn to Genesis chapter 50 and say, Oh, this is how the story ends. But that's something, sometimes the thing that is so difficult about discouragement. We just want to know how long, right? We just want to know how long it's going to last. We're, we, we, we want to know how long until things turn around. See, don't miss this. For all Joseph knew, he was going to be in prison the rest of his life. In, in his mind, his last chance was interpretation of the dreams. And the one person that could get him out now forgot. See, that's why you've got to love God and that's why you've got to trust God. Joseph, ultimately, his trust was not in people. He knew he couldn't ultimately trust people. They had destroyed his reputation. They had tried to kill him. They had tried to hurt him. But he knew that ultimately my trust, man, my trust is in God and God alone. And so many times when we go through discouragement, the danger is, well, the fact is, uh, Oswald Chambers says this, that the danger in life is that when we move our focus from God, when he moves, we miss him. The danger when you and I go through discouragement in life and we move our focus from God, from loving God to our situation, when God moves, God changes our direction, guess what happens? You miss him. Not Joseph. Joseph was faithful to God and Joseph loved people and Joseph loved the truth and Joseph loved God deeply. And the question for us is that when we go through difficulty and we go through discouragement, are we going to be faithful to God even when life doesn't make sense? Are we going to be faithful to God even when we can't understand, explain, or make sense of God's plan for our life? Usually when we go through discouragement and usually when we go through difficulty, we start asking those questions like, you know, why and what are you doing to me and why now and don't you see how faithful I am? I mean, I played that game for a few years here. God, don't you see how faithful I am? Don't you see I came to plant a church? Don't you see that I gave up my family and a career and everything else? I mean, we do that, right? And so you can go through the why me and why are you doing this to me and why aren't you answering my prayers and, and what is going on? And that's natural. But listen, you have to come to the point. Do you process that out? There are many people that are months later and weeks later and years later and 15, 20 years later are still asking the question, why? And the question is not why. The question is, what now? 
What do you want me to do in the midst of my discouragement? Stay faithful to God. Love people. Love the truth. And love him. Job, we've been going through Job and in life journaling. And Job asks, makes a statement and says, Even though you slay me, I will still serve you. You know the real question? You know what Job is really asking or saying? God, I will serve you for nothing. Most people will only serve God, only give to God, as long as there's benefits for them. God answers my prayers. God blesses me financially. Uh, God takes care of me. Uh, I don't have to be inconvenienced. I don't have to do anything that's uncomfortable. I mean, many people say, you know what? I will serve God as long as there's benefit. For me, not Job. Job says, I will serve God for nothing. Joseph could say, God, I, I love you. I'm redeemed. You gave your life to me. I'll serve you in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, in the midst of discouragement. Are you going to be faithful to God? Are you going to serve Him even when life doesn't make sense? you bow your heads with me and close your eyes what is God speaking to you this morning not what is Charlie saying to you or not what decision does Charlie want you to make but what is God speaking to you this morning as a result of his message you may be involved and you may be going through discouragement right now. Your first step may be that you just need to come to him and you just need to accept him and you need to ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. You may be going discouragement right now and you've done that and you know you're a believer and you know you're a follower of his. And God is telling you, stay faithful. Love people. Don't allow circumstances and people to make you cynical, to make you bitter, to make you discouraged. You may need to learn to trust Him and say, even though life doesn't make sense right now, I'm choosing to trust you. You may need to start serving in ministry again. You remember a time when you used to serve and you remember what it was like to serve God and do ministry and help people. Like Joseph, you may be here this morning, you may feel like, you know what? Everybody else is getting blessed but me. And at that moment, would you continue to trust God? Every one of us in this room are forced to deal with discouragement at some time in my life. And at the end of every service, we just, we pray for one another. It's become a normal culture for us. And this morning, we want to pray for you. If you're going through discouragement, you're going through hurt, if you're going through pain, 
if you need to come back to him, if you need to accept him. You know what? If your family is going through discouragement, if you feel far away from God, we want to pray for you this morning. If there is any need in your life that you need prayer for making a decision, we want to pray for you here this morning. So in just a few minutes, we're all going to stand together. And when we stand together, and if you need prayer, would you just stand one motion, just stand up and step out and come down these aisles, the outer aisles, the center aisle. There'll be leaders down front to pray with you. And you just need to tell them your name and your prayer request and, and they'll pray for you. There's something this morning in these last few minutes of this service for us all to do that maybe you're not one of the ones that will come down for prayer, but as we stand, this is not your opportunity to leave early and distract what God is speaking to someone else. That you would pray where you are and think about the message or pray for those that are are coming to come for prayer here this morning you don't have to be a member of fellowship the rockies and you don't even have to be embarrassed because we all need prayer and people will be coming with you so in just a second as soon as we all stand you step out you come down this aisle there'll be leaders down here down front that will pray for you We want nothing more than to minister and to pray for you this morning without any guilt, without any judgment. Father, we love you. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you would draw people to yourself this morning and people would receive prayer and people would receive ministry. Father, we love you. And may we know that you love us deeply. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.